Okay, we had a song. It wasn't a hymn. It wasn't a a message song other than the message was the joy of singing. Now, I don't know whether everybody joined in. That's, That's okay. You're part of the community. Your very presence here affects this room, affects the, uh, the acoustics. Even if you sing badly, and I probably sang badly on that, uh, and even if you don't sing at all, but sat there quietly, you're participating. Singer and non-singer, the morning would not be the same without you. In fact, without you, every place would be different. When, when William Ellery Channing delivered his Unitarian Christianity sermon at First Church uh, in 1818, I'm sorry, 1819, the, um, the Orthodox newspapers at the time said, you know, this guy came down to give this heathen sermon in this church in Baltimore, this fancy new church, but by the grace of God, nobody could hear it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that was true. So it's, it's, worth it, if it's worth it having this little interruption um, to get things right. And it's another way of us saying you're important. Your participation is important. Your ability to hear things is important. Um, and so, you know, we, we don't ask you to sing or, you know, if you prefer not to sing. But what we do ask is that whether you're a singer or non-singer, to be attentive to your neighbors and to your neighbor's preference. Be attentive to each other. My personal joy is participating. When I leave here, and, you know, after having a great time chatting with you, eating coffee and cookies, I love the coffee and cookies, I have to rush up to Baltimore to go to a congregational, congregation's annual meeting there, which is not so much fun, but, uh, and we're not air-conditioned, but I go and, and do that. It's, you know, it's a duty. Not everything that you do, you do for the fun. It's, it's a horrible, overloaded day, but I love it. You know, it's part of my duty, and I love doing my duty. I am an active participator. I love to be part of the action, whether it involves the big issues of our times, uh, such as, well, you know, we've, we've had a little concern about racism and violence in Baltimore recently. We've spent an April there, and I've been, you know, out in the streets uh, uh, on that. That's one of the big issues of the time. Um, some of you know me from way back. I was going through some slides the other day, and I came, found some slides of my wife Eileen and Hank Gaster and Betty Chia Carroll at the uh, Poor People's March in Washington in 1968, right after the assassination of Martin Luther King. And if you want to see how much of, you know, times have changed, uh, Eileen and Betty Chia are dressed up and Hank and I are wearing suits, which you do for a summer demonstration in Washington, <clears throat> at least back then. So I'm an active participator, whether it's the big issues or the little things. I love turning out for cleanup in my diverse neighborhood in Baltimore. Uh, it's, it's part of the pleasure of living in a diverse community. I joined an ethical society, and lo and behold, I become an ethical leader. Uh, I have interests. I've been on various boards. I've been presidents of various organizations. This doesn't mean I'm eminent in those fields. It just means that I'm willing to do the work. 
Uh, and it's been a great pleasure of mine. Uh, if, uh, and if I have something tough to work on, and you know, I'm trying to get this, this talk together, say, I love to go to my neighborhood coffee shop. I love to, uh, uh, to you know, work around people and the buzz of conversation and uh, listen to these young John Hopkins students talk about the big issues in their lives and being thankful that I'm past all that. And, uh, you know, I, it, it helps me work. I, I'm energized. And if I don't have anything to do, I love to go to my favorite coffee shop and sit there and have coffee and greet people and be greeted by people and be part of the action. And it's, that's who I am. Now, I haven't been uniformly active, I have to say. We all go through seasons in life where job or family obligations or just pure preference means that we say no to a lot of, a lot of things. Uh, one of the things that I've taken for all these many years from the Don Montagna days was that every member has an absolute right to say no. I don't know whether you still use that here, but I think it's helpful in asking people. And sometimes I do say no. People ask me to do things, and I do say no. And there are, as I said, the flow in life. At one time, we, my wife and I would dance regularly once a week. And then when our daughter was a certain age, we danced regularly once a year. Uh, you know, that's the way things work. Uh, there is a meeting at First Unitarian in Baltimore on Friday on race and ethnicity, part of a really important, powerful series. Um, I could have, I should have, uh, but I didn't go to. Uh, I think what I've just described, I know what I've just described, describes many of you. In fact, you know, we've seen it here just a few minutes ago. And I know from reading your newsletter and being involved with some of you during Amanda's absence that uh, <clears throat> you got, you're just tremendous amount of people doing things here. Uh, you, a lot of work to keep this place going and a lot of joy in doing it. And I know there are some of you who are on committees and some of you just... You know, occasionally if somebody needs a ride to a medical appointment or food being brought into a shut-in, there are people here who do those things. And that's wonderful. We are a religion that not only attracts people who like to participate, maybe I should say they, they feel people who feel compelled to participate, but participation is central to who we are. The participation is not just the busyness of keeping things going. It's the participation of people who see that they have a role in making a better world. Jerome Nathanson, who is one of the great ethical leaders of the mid-20th century, wrote this. What should concern us about social action is that only by participating one way or another in the social problems so besetting us can we go ahead with part of our own development our own education, our own ethical sensitivity. Each of us has to decide for himself or herself where and how he or she will take part. The distinctive role of ethical religion at this level, it seems to me, is to contribute what we can to clarifying the ethical stake in the problems before us. Participation being one part of clarifying what the stakes are. Participation 
being one part of clarifying what those stakes are. In other words, we really don't know about some things unless we get involved, unless we try to do something. So one might say that participation is built in. But everybody doesn't participate in the same way. As I indicated a moment ago, people have time constraints. People have their preferences and what they want to do and how they want to spend their time. And that's something that those of us who are hyperactive participants have to respect. And most importantly for our purposes this morning, people have different styles of participating. And indeed, people have different styles of ways or ways of being. Say that again. People have different styles and ways of being. We have different personalities that reflect on how we engage with other people. Let's think about this aspect a bit about participating. Now, even those who of you who have never met me before have gotten some idea of who I am. After all, you know, I'm the guy who's standing up here on the on the stage or on the platform, giving a platform address, as we call it in our lingo. And uh, I'm the guy who's, you know, tried to lead singing. And you don't see that there's actually a sort of a little core of shyness in my center. But what you see really is pretty much what you get. Well, I'm not a great one for labeling people. I know that by conventional labels, I'm probably what's called an extrovert. Now, there are some people here who I'm sure could do, I know, I'm not sure, I mean, I absolutely know, could do just as good a job as I'm doing up here, but it's the last thing in the world that they'd want to do. It's not necessarily because they're afraid to get up in front of people, and it's, it's not because they're shy. It's just because of who they are. They're quiet people. They get labeled in this paradigm I've just introduced as introverts. These are the quiet people. You know, the ones that maybe didn't join in singing, the ones who during coffee hour are perfectly happy standing against the wall with their coffee and cookie and, you know, not glad-hatting everybody. Uh, these are the ones who are uncomfortable with all the hugging and sharing that often goes on in congregations like this. Uh, if you're not into hugging and sharing, hugging and sharing can be pretty unbearable. As writer Jonathan Rauch, who is a self-described introvert, wrote in the Atlantic magazine a few years ago, introverts are people who find other people tiring. <laughs> His formula for success is uh, two hours alone for every hour socializing. And I don't know, that's, that's kind of my wife in a lot of ways, you know. <laughs> I'm just so happy. I, I, we have a weekend, and I'm, oh, this is a great weekend. Look at all the stuff that we have to do. And she said, oh, what a terrible weekend. We've got all these things to do. Even though each one is individually enjoyable in itself. You know, too much is too much. Time for an example, an anecdote, really. Actually, I, I'm, I'm considering this a parable. It's, 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 it's really... Uh, from a book, it's from a book review in the New York Times recently. And the writer says this, I was out to dinner recently with a man who observed of a 
mutual friend. He's a cipher. He just stands there. He doesn't speak. He felt our friend did not pull his weight in social situations. I countered that there were plenty of ways of saying nothing. I'm sorry, that there were participatory ways of saying nothing. Participatory ways. That I experienced our friend's silence as encouragement to display for his appreciation and scrutiny the more typically hidden parts of myself. There's a lot packed into that paragraph. Let's think about that for a moment. First, the dinner partner, the the person telling the story, who called their mutual friend a cipher. That is, you know, a mystery, a nothing. He just stands there and doesn't speak. In other words, he doesn't contribute to the social situation. He, He doesn't carry his conversational weight. My first thought was, this speaker is a friend of this absent person? But I can understand this. If your idea as a good time is, you know, getting together, having repartee, trading quips, uh, trading anecdotes, you know, this person probably is a disappointment. Then the other friend, the person who tells the story, defends the absent friend by saying that there were participatory ways of saying nothing. True enough, I can agree with that. That I experienced our friend's silence as encouragement to display for his appreciation and scrutiny the more typically hidden parts of myself. Yes, I thought, she sees the value of friendship. You know, I liked her saying that the friend lets her reveal some hidden parts of herself. A good friend should be a good listener, right? You know, you should be willing to listen to your friends who have things that they need to tell. A good friend doesn't always have to be yakking all the time. So far, so good. But then there's her interpretation of her friend's silence that she viewed it as encouraging her to put her hidden, I presume hidden psychological parts, uh, on display. That, you know, is his purpose to be an audience for her? Is that what she views friendship as? That he should listen, you know, it's his job to listen to her inner angst. In fact, the enduring her endless monologue hypothesis uh, gains some support for another writer, another self-confessed introvert, who finds that, quote, Introverts are driven to distraction by the semi-internal dialogue extroverts tend to conduct. Introverts don't outwardly complain. Instead, roll their eyes and silently curse the darkness. (laughs) Now, Jonathan Rouse, whom I just quoted before, looks forward to someday maybe introverts come out of the closet and there will be an introverts' rights movement. And it won't be impolite to say, I like you, but now please shush. Which you may be thinking right now. Uh, Or at least thinking to yourself, you know, I came here this morning to hear some kind of uh, ethical talk about ethical religion. And all I've done is uh, listen to a a, a silly song and here's some guy talking about singing and how he likes to keep business busy. 
And now he's talking about how some people don't seem to like dealing with people. Where's the message? Okay, here's the message. Everybody participates. Everybody contributes. Just by their presence, everybody is essential. Our calling as ethical culturists, our calling as Unitarian Universalists, our calling as religious humanists is to discern and honor a universe of unique individuals uniquely participating. Unique individuals uniquely participating. Let's go back to my singing metaphor. Singing is as much about listening as it is about making sound come out of your mouth. You're singing, the other people are singing, but you're listening to each other. Their sound helps keep you in tune, and your sound helps keep the others in tune, at least if things are working right. But you have a group. You've got the support of the group. You go a little flat, you go a little sharp, the group helps you get back. I started this talk talking about this singing circle that I attend in Baltimore. It's an, again, it's an informal, supportive setting. We work around the, the, the circle. We try to avoid show-offy solo songs. We, we try to pick songs with a good chorus that everybody can join in. But participants don't have to lead a song. They can pass. And that's their right as their individual. But they're still participants. They're participating at the level that they feel comfortable. Every individual and everybody, everybody is an individual and everybody is a part of the group, even the silent people. That is the essence of our religion. Everybody's presence affects the whole. Nobody, nobody is unessential. It's true for this singing group that meets monthly, now above a guitar shop in Pikesville. And it's true for this room where you gather every week to consider how to lead a better life and to make a better world. Felix Adler, the founder of Ethical Culture, expressed this as an idea of the whole. Think of yourself as part of an infinite universe of people, each unique, each essential each interacting with the others. He struggled to find words to to illustrate this point. In one formulation, he asked people to think of the universe as a ray of light, that a ray of light that has the effect of kindling other rays, unlike but complementary to itself. In this sense, he argued, each ethical unit, each member of the infinite universe, is to be regarded as a center from which rays emanate, touching other centers and awakening there the light intrinsic to them. Or he went on, think of it as a fountain in which a stream puts forth jets of inestimable power, uh, playing it out, playing into other life, and evoking their kindred and yet unkindred life waves. Lots of ways to try to find metaphors for this. And then he just, he struggles and he kind of gives up on the symbolism, simply saying that he's talking about the enmeshings one life in the universal life without loss of distinctiveness. You know, we are all 
you folks sitting here, you're all members of the Ethical Society. Or if you're not members, I hope you will soon be members. But, you know, you're, you're unique. You're individuals. You join in community. When you join in the community, you don't give up your individuality. You keep that. But your individuality is enhanced by your participation, just as this group is enhanced by your being there. I myself like thinking about prisms, but, uh, you know, emanating and, and reflecting light. But mostly I just drop the philosophy and think, pay attention to each other. Appreciate each other. The light that you have to offer, the light that everybody has to offer, isn't always that obvious. But it's there, but it's there if you're open to it. Your neighbor's unique ray is not going to shine on your life if you don't take the trouble to look. We have a similar concept on the Unitarian Universalist side when we talk about the seventh principle, respect for the interdependent life of which we are a part. That includes people, too. We're all part of this web. The quiet people, the loud people, the people who sing, the people who don't sing. Remember the lesson that I learned, that I mentioned earlier. Singing is as much a matter of listening as it is about making sound. Respect means listening. Respect means watching so that we can be alert to each other's unique way of participating. And there you have it. Except we're going to end as we began with a song. Except unlike the first song, which I selected just because, you know, no message. It was the, the message was the joy of it. This has a message. This is really a great song. Uh, it's by singer-songwriter Bill Staines. It's called The Animal Song. Or some people know it by its chorus. All God's critters got a place in the choir. I don't need the God concept in my religious life, but I'm okay with it here. However, Bailey Whiteman, your choir director, communicated with Bill Staines, and he gave her permission to change the words to suit our beliefs. And he suggested, uh, he said he runs into this a lot. And, and he suggested we substitute earths for gods. All earths critters got a place in the choir. That works. There are other words that scan, but let's use earths. So, or you know what? Sing all gods critters if you want. That's a key part of who we are here. You don't have to believe exactly the same thing to be a member of this congregation. But you're still part of the group, a part of the whole. We need you. And if you don't want to sing, you can just sit there. You can just clap your hands, paws, or anything you got, or just listen to the others. So let's go out by singing together. <laughs>